0: Galatians chapter 5, and then we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 2, Galatians chapter 5, and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. He's the only one that can. Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again. Somebody shout that word with me, would you? Again. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Second Peter chapter two. Verse number twenty. This is a powerful portion of scripture kept me on my toes for a long time. 2nd Peter chapter 2 verse 20. For if after they have escaped that's such a powerful word. They have escaped. It's as though there were chains involved. Broken. You have escaped the pollutions of the world. How'd you do it? Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again, there's that word, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit. Here it is. Somebody shout it. Again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire I want us to pray tonight that the Lord would help us in this place let's pray tonight great God we love you we are so indebted tonight full of gratitude thankful for your goodness for your mercy thankful God that you never stop reaching you never quit loving have never turned your back lord we have failed you a million times and you keep on loving we praise you for it tonight god i pray that the seed of the word of god would fall in fertile soil god that as this word is spoken from these lips of clay that it would hit ears that are prepared to hear hearts that are prepared to receive And may the will of God be done in this house, and God, may you be glorified by every word and deed that is accomplished in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Could you clap unto the Lord and give Him praise? Before I have you be seated tonight, I want to tell you, I heard one time that the reason why we clap the way we do in church. I understand, forty seventh psalm: clap your hands, oh you people; shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I like it. But the reason why we do it is because it sounds like chains falling off. When you clap your hands, you can't you can't clap when your hands are bound. You can't you can tie your hands up. You can't clap. So when we put our hands together and we begin to clap, it's letting the devil know I'm free from everything. You may have helped me bound at one time, but tonight I've been made free. God, I feel him in this place. You held me captive at one time in my life, but do you see what the Lord has done, devil? I wish you'd clap right now like the devil's between your hands. You'd give God great praise. Woo! Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Lord Lord, bless you. You may be seated tonight. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage I'm going to preach to you tonight about being set free from again set free from again 2nd Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 I remember as a kid hearing this preached and to be quite honest, this was one of those passages that when I was a boy, the words on the page became very vivid to my childhood imagination. That when you are entangled again, you are like a dog returning to his own vomit. This became... Very real to me when I was a kid. We had a dog named Paco. They say Paco had the Holy Ghost. Paco was an evangelist dog. He traveled with us all over the country. Paco was a walking miracle. We, we got Paco when I was five, six years old, five years old. And he had partial paw. Part of his paw had been removed. He was supposed to be a handicap. But he was our living testimony at every revival we went to. Paco wasn't handicapped. He walked. But Paco had a sick problem. Whenever he would get sick, he would always go back to it. And he would make a meal out of the mess that he made. Whenever I would hear my dad preach, 2 Peter, all I could think of is Paco because dogs are gross and we love them I've got a dog right now that is absolutely as cool as can be but he don't know when to stop drinking and I'm not talking about the heavy stuff either I'm talking about water Bobo the Boston Bobo will drink and drink and drink and I can stand in the living room and shout to the top of my lungs Bobo Stop drinking. Bobo. eat your food. And if I'm seated when I say that, the dog will keep drinking until I stand up. And then when I stand up, he stops and he turns around and looks at me. Well, he kind of looks at me. One eye's looking one way and one's looking the other. And he drinks until he makes himself sick. And then he drinks it again. This is one of the most disgusting things in the world to talk about. Why are we talking about it? Because Peter felt like it was worthy of putting in the Scripture. He said, there's something so powerful that I want you to understand. When you've been made free, you are better than again. When you've been set free from the law of sin, there is a power that comes in you that is better than than what you were entangled in before. The devil don't want you to know this tonight, so I'm going to let you in on a secret. He wants you to believe that the addiction in your life is the most powerful thing in the world until that addiction comes in contact with the blood of Jesus. Now, I know for some people it gets old, and they don't like this and whatever, but you know what? Some of these Pentecostals are too professional in my opinion. We got people that sit around here and act like their breath don't stink in the morning. They sit around here and fold their little hands when sinners come in here and their lives are a mess and they look at them and think, oh, what a shame they are. But you know what? I was there when he found some of you. We look look at people and think, oh, what a shame that is. I can't believe they come in here looking like that. Look, I was here when some of you walked in here with dilated pupils i was in here when some of you walked in with the smell of alcohol on your breath i was in here when some of you walked in smelling like a pack of cigarettes but thanks be unto god who always causes us to triumph in his name there are times in my my private reading that i open up i don't even like to call it a version of the bible because, in my opinion, it's just kind of commentary in common language. It's the message. Eugene Patterson, Peterson, I think it's Peterson. But the message version of 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 is powerful. I want you to listen to this. He said, if they've escaped from the slum of sin by experiencing our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ, And then slid back into that same old life again. They are worse than if they had never left. Listen to this power. Better not to have started out on the straight road to God than to start out and then turn back. Repudiating the experience and the holy command. They prove the point of the Proverbs, that a dog goes back to its own vomit and a scrubbed up pig heads for the mud. Pretty powerful. I don't think I could say it any better than that myself. But the power of this scripture to me, I know, I understand, that he's trying to get people to understand that we don't go back. But I want to focus on something that is so powerful in the beginning portion of this verse. For if after they have escaped. Are you with me? After they have escaped. What are you talking about, Pastor? I want to show you the power of this verse is not in the again. The power in this verse is is in the escape. God is able, whether you believe it or not, you've come too late to tell me tonight that he can't do it because God is able to take somebody whose life is a tangled up, messed up wreck and he can pick them up and turn them around and give them a brand new life. I'm not talking about temporary relief. Hear me tonight. I'm not talking about relief. We've got too much relief in Pentecost. We celebrate too much relief. If you look at Naaman, Naaman was a man that was a mighty man, but he was a leper. And he came to the prophet of the Lord's house. And the prophet sent his servant out and said, tell him to go to Jordan and dip seven times. I don't have time to preach this whole story tonight, but if you're familiar with the story, I want to tell you that Naaman was as much of a leper on the sixth dip under the water as he was when he came to the prophet's house. But in modern religion, we like to celebrate people because they have dipped five or six times, and we say they're trying. But the command wasn't to dip five or six times. The command was not to get relieved. The command was if you'll go dip seven times in that muddy Jordan River, you're going to come up out of that water a brand new man. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you tonight, I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe that everything you've ever done and everything that has entangled you, when you walk up this back hallway and you walk up to this baptismal tank right here, I know what it is. It's fiberglass it's plexiglass and it's Anderson City water. But to somebody in here, it's the blood of Jesus. You can absolutely dump gallons of water over your head and nothing will happen but your hair get wet. You can stand in the shower all day and nothing happen but your body get wet. But the moment you get down in that watery grave of baptism and the name of Jesus is in. The name of Jesus is invoked over your life. I want to draw you a picture tonight. And that word that draws the picture is escaped. When I go in, I'm entangled. You hear me? When I go in, I'm a mess. Well, I repented, you're still a mess. I told the Lord, I'm sorry. You're still a mess. Your sin's. Are forgiven your sins are not remitted do you understand the power of that word remission oh the devil don't want you to know the power of the word remission that's why and I don't mean this tonight to sound hurtful at all but that's why public baptism has become such a game in Christianity it's nothing more than a glorified swimming pool in churches where people are getting dunked under the water and saying they're making a decision for Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to make the decision before you ever get in the water because when you go down in the water in the name of Jesus, the devil don't want you to know this. But everything that he has accused you of and everything he's told you you are and every sin that you've committed, brother, when you come up out of that water, it's gone. 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 It's over. Finished. It's behind you. It's under the blood. Are you hearing me tonight? I said it's under the blood. You know why the devil don't want you to know that? Because he can't see it under the blood. He can't touch it under the blood. Then if I've been baptized in Jesus' name, why am I still dealing with the same spirit? Why do I keep dealing with the same temptation? Why do I keep going back the same thing. Well, I'm going to tell you this tonight, and this is going to hurt in the beginning. I'm going to tell you the reason, the the, the thing that's not the reason for why you're going back. Ready? I Got your seatbelts on? Let me tell you what's not the reason. It's not the devil. You, 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 You can be seated. I said it is not devil Peter said in 2nd Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 that once you've escaped and you go back Paul said in Galatians 5 and 1 that Christ hath made us free but you are entangled again well, I just can't get the devil off my back. Look, I set this thing up on the T. got to hit it for you. I set this thing up because I want you to understand this. Whatever you were, when you put it under the blood, yeah. he don't have access to that. Right. Yeah. Right. He can't make you ever. Right. Right. Boy, I need to get this in somebody's spirit. But the devil just keeps reminding me I'm a drug addict. Folks, look. I wish I could figure out how to do a master class on this, but I can't do it. I can't ever figure out how to get this in people's hearts. Listen. The devil does not have access to your thoughts. It's anti-biblical. The devil does not control your thoughts. Woo! You know who controls my thoughts? Me know who controls my actions I've I've preached this before and it makes people feel uncomfortable and I understand that it's okay but I could leave here tonight get in the car take my family home drop them off at the house go to a liquor store pick up a fifth of whiskey drive out on a country road it'd take about three drinks to get me soft drunk I could take a drink of whiskey And absolutely destroy my ministry. Destroy my wife and my children. Can you imagine the newspaper article tomorrow morning? Local pastor drives off road, wrecks, flips car, kills somebody. What an embarrassment to our church family. What an embarrassment to the officers in our church when they come and say, yeah, that that was my pastor. My God, it'd be horrible. I can't even imagine. I could leave here tonight, find me another woman. I don't know if I could find one as nice enough, my wife was to buy into this 22 years ago Friday. Right. Yeah. I can leave here tonight, go find another woman, destroy my children. Man, it's so quiet, you can hear a rat licking ice in here right now. And I'm going to tell you what would happen. Just as sure as I got drunk, just as sure as I committed adultery, at the next general conference, preachers would be sitting around saying, man, the enemy made a mess of Luke St. Clair's life. They'd be sitting around at general conference saying, what a shame the devil destroyed his ministry. I hope to God I'll never have to deal with that, but I'm going to tell you all something. I've had to deal with it from this side looking at men that have fallen, women that have fallen, godly people that have fallen. And I'm going to tell you, I'm tired of the devil getting the credit for it. Let me just pick on preachers tonight since I are one. The devil ain't never made a preacher commit adultery. The devil ain't never made a preacher steal money. Come on now. The devil has never, ever, ever made a single person from creation until now backslide, ever. Oh, pastor, yes, he did, because he came He came and started talking to Eve. He made her backslide. You, you reckon he reached down there with his slithery little old body, reached up and took her hand, lifted it up there and said, just feel that. Just, just feel that. You know how it happened? The same progression that happens in your life. The Lord said, don't eat of it. But if you stand around it and talk at it long enough, you're going to be tempted to touch it. And if you touch it, you're going to be tempted to eat after it. And then when you eat that and you're out of alignment, then your husband or your wife going to get a hold of that and there's going to be something on your family. And I want to tell you, He's ugly, he's slew foot, he's serpent, he's disgusting, he's Beelzebub. I can't stand him. He's slew foot. but understand me, he has never made a person backslide in their life. It's <laughs> heavy when you consider the fact that my heaven or hell destination in eternity does not rest on Lucifer. And it does not rest on the almighty God. It's on me. And the reason it's on me. Is because by his power. I've been made free. I mean you either either buy in or you don't. You either believe it or you don't. That he that the son has set free. Free. I'm I'm talking about. Completely. I'm, I'm. If I could give it to you like like this tonight and draw this picture. The Lord takes the deed of your life. You belonged to the enemy. His name was on you. You were a slave to sin. You were a servant to a cruel taskmaster. He manipulates your life. All your life. He is a master manipulator. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's always manipulating, but everything that he made you—and by that I mean you still made your decisions—but he made you what he wanted you to be, right. formed your, your your character because you thought worldly. You can't help it. You were born in sin and shaping it, and if you couldn't help it, you were born that way. But he just kept on forming, kept on pushing, kept on putting the right people in your pathway, and every bit of that he said, "I own them. They're mine." They can't do anything about it. And he wanted you to believe that until you walked into this crazy Pentecostal church. We're all these weirdos. We're running, jumping. Well, not all of them, just some of them. Jumping, shouting out loud, saying amen. What's hallelujah anyway? I had a guy tell me one time. He said, I tuned in and listened to you and your dad preach a couple times. He said, I don't know what happened. He said, while you guys were preaching, it's like you broke off into this. Sound like you're preaching in Hebrew for a minute. I said, Yeah, they're speaking in tongues. He said, Oh, it's, I just thought it was Hebrew. You come in here with all these crazy people speaking Hebrew. Anybody in here got the testimony the first time you walked into church, you said, I will never do that? Yes, sir. Come on now. I'll never forget when Richard Maine started coming to this church. He said, I, will ne- I will never. Ever. He said, I will never act like that. I'm gonna tell you. He don't, he don't do much running right now. We need the Lord to touch him. But I remember the day when that old proud spirit broke off of him. He took off running around that old sanctuary next door. He went running around that church, and he got up in front of the church, and he started dancing and shouting. What's wrong with all these crazy people? I'm going to tell you what's wrong with us. We've been made free. We've been made free. I've been made free by the power of the blood of the Lamb. I've been made free. Historically, addiction has been defined with regard solely to psychoactive substances. Like alcohol, tobacco, drugs. However, in these days and times that we live in right now, people literally blame everything on being addicted. Well, the reason I committed adultery is because I'm addicted to sex. Well, the reason why I gambled all our money away is because I'm addicted to gambling. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. People who consider themselves addicts are dependent on things such as gambling, food, sex, pornography, computers, video games, internet, even good things, work, exercise. Be addicted to all kinds of stuff. Get addicted to work. Well, yeah, bless his heart, he's a little workaholic. He might be a workaholic, but his real problem is his priorities are out of line. Well, he was a workaholic, his family fell apart. Well, faithful to the house of God, he sought the face of God, spent time with his family, spent time with his wife, spent time with his children, yeah, well, he, he was addicted, well, this is basically the cycle of America, I'm gonna preach to you a little bit about North America, y'all doing all right, everybody doing good, it's early, it's 749, you doing good, so these, these conditions of addiction, they cause symptoms like guilt, shame, fear, failure, rejection, anxiety, humiliation. People talking about, ooh, I got anxiety, I got anxiety, I got it. I got I start worrying when people say I got anxiety. Something in your life's causing anxiety. Some, something's causing anxiety. I got anxiety. Now I'm depressed. They go to a counselor. The counselor says, Well, I'd like to diagnose you. You are an addict. Oh, I feel so much better. I know that I'm an addict. I'm now officially in the category of addiction. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to recommend for you. I'd like to recommend a therapist for you. We're going to send you to an addiction therapist who's going to tell you that you're depressed. And then when they tell you that you're depressed, he's going to send you to a doctor. They're going recommend a drug that makes you anti-depressed. But one of the leading side effects of antidepressant drugs is suicide we come to the house of the Lord and we say, I've been babbling a spirit of suicide. No. Nope. Not a spirit of suicide. It's a side effect of a choice. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> you want to finish, Bishop? Am I doing good? I'm going to give you a drug. Because you're depressed. Now I'm on the depression drugs. They're giving me anxiety. <laughs> They're going to put you on a pill for anxiety. That anxiety pill gives you the jitters, and you can't go to sleep at night. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? So I lay there in bed at night, and I go, My brain's just ripping, 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 So you go back to the doctor, and say, I don't know what to do. I'm depressed, I got anxiety, can't sleep. I don't know what's wrong with me, man. What's, what's happening with me? He says, I'm going to put you on Ambien. go home, you get on Ambien. And the first day after you take Ambien, CR, you wake up the next day and you're like, why do I feel so down? Because you're chemically altered. Boy, this is We come up here, and I want you always to always. This altar is always open. You know that. Come up here, and we raise our hands. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been so depressed. You know what it is? It's the constant raveling of this thing until it's become like the world's largest rubber band ball. Just keep adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. And the depression leads to anxiety. The anxiety leads to more depression. The pills it puts on leads you to no sleep. Then it starts eating the lining of your stomach. So now you got to have. Got. Prilosec. <laughs> Folks, listen to me. I'm not. I, it probably sounds like I'm making light. I'm not making light. I'm telling you. It's the truth. I'm talking about the enemy, has made us believe. He can't do it to us, but he's made us believe that we have to be entangled. And the reason why he keeps telling you you are is because he can't make you entangled again. If you're going to get entangled again, he has to convince you to allow yourself to be entangled. Because he can't entangle you. What are you doing, Pastor I am taking every bit of power and permission from the hands of the enemy tonight and I'm putting it back in your hands to let you know he does not call the shots in your life. He does not get the final say in your life. The devil does not destroy your destiny. He does not control your destiny. He does not control your happiness. Many of you know it's a fact. You can get drugs for anything. Sure. It's the truth, doctors are giving away stuff now that you used to have to buy on the corner and hide when you bought it and shoot it up. Now you're just taking the pill. I, you think I'm kidding? People are literally taking heroin in a pill because the doctor said, Have it. I understand, some of you think I'm looking at this from the negative side, you can get drugs for everything, let me tell you something else you can do, you can get prayer for everything. I'm going to talk to you about something that's kind of deep right here, I don't know how deep I'm going to go in this, but I'm going to tell you, oh boy, I don't want to talk about it, and I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you why we're not seeing a lot of devils cast out in North America. Because people that are possessed are so chemically altered that we're having to pray through layers and layers and layers to get to the Spirit. I wish so bad. That we could get somebody here that's honest enough to tell you what what it really looks like in a psych ward of a hospital. My mother used to work at hospital. Was that Three North they called that? Three North? Bishop worked there as as an orderly in the hospital. When I was a kid, everybody used to talk about Three North. St. John's. You don't want to go to Three North. It's crazy. You know why it feels so spooky and so off? Because not everybody's in there for legitimate mental problems. People are in there because they're tormented. Hmm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost digging on somebody tonight. We come and we want to get deliverance. And I believe that he can and I believe he does and I believe that he will. But there's some things in my life that's got to unravel. Oh, God, help me. I can't come up here and pray for deliverance and then walk right out of this house and go back to again. Are you hearing me? I'm preaching about being set free from again. At the end of the day, you're going to have to decide in your life if you love freedom more than you love entanglement Amen. Amen. i didn't expect anybody to run on that Come on. Woo! i got on the phone hope i don't mess nothing up i got on the phone with sister sawyer after she would had both knees done they had me on medicine pastor but i don't want to take it I, I, I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't want to take it. And I thought, how crazy is it when you're filled with the Holy Ghost? You can feel that pulling on you. Got every right to take it, the paper that says it's legit, I'm going to tell you, in the days after your surgery, Start feeling that stuff come out of your body. You start doing weird things. I had I had surgery uh, on a hernia below my belt, and my shoulders started hurting, aching. My body was releasing all these toxins. I didn't take but just a couple pills when they sent me home. Couldn't hold them down. I was puking my guts up. My body started feeling all this weird. So what? What is this? My mom said, "Oh, that's escaping." Body. You know what the devil wants you to do he wants you to go back to again because everybody listen to me I'm, I'm fixing to tell you something in the Holy Ghost tonight God i feel him close everybody that's ever been to again has an excuse everybody that's ever walked back to again has walked back to again with an excuse I didn't want to go back on those. I didn't want to start drinking. But just about the time I thought I was back on my two feet, I injured my left leg. Just about the time I felt like I was back on my feet, my cousin died. Are you hearing me? Because there's always going to be an excuse for again. But I'm going to tell you something else there is. God, I feel a boldness in the Holy Ghost. There is also always victory over again. There is always going to be a way. There's always going to be a way for whatever you've walked in for you to turn right back around and walk out. You don't have to be bound forever. You don't have to be lost forever. You don't have to be turned upside down forever. You can be free. Ah. Uh. Oh, God, let's clap our hands to the Lord right now. I <clears> know <throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, this is a hard saying tonight. Someone said, I've heard John Maxwell say it a lot, but I don't know if he's the author of it. <throat> used to say, I coined that phrase. Heard John Maxwell say it all my life studying leadership. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Now, why is it that we'll look at crazy people and say they're insane? I'm going to use some old fashioned language here, okay? I'm talking about the kind of language. Why don't we feel that way about folks who can't get victory? Since we've heard that talked about anymore. I prayed till I got the victory. I stayed up all night long till I got the victory. I fasted until I got the victory. We need to get back to talking like that again. We need to get back to talking that language again. I went to church, and I danced till I got the victory. My feet were sore the next day, but I went home with the victory. I know that's too shallow for some people, but I'm going to tell you, it'll break you free when nothing else will break you free. It'll turn you upside down when nothing else will turn you upside down. It blows your mind what it does to the devil. When you stand up with the preach word and say amen. Amen. Anybody in here ever felt you don't have to raise your hand? Ever felt that nudge in the spirit that says step out in the aisle, dance a little bit? You're like, no. I'd look stupid. Come on now yeah, come on. about that nudge and said "Run the aisles you're like oh uh-huh. now, let me tell you about them two voices you're hearing one's the voice of victory the other is the voice of again because the voice of again realizes if you ever get that victory the power of again has been broken in your life I'm telling you church I'm making it sound probably a little easier than it is because it is a real battle and you're going to have to fight forever but I'm convinced tonight that the difference between some people's victory and their again is a made-up mind that I'm sick of again and I'm ready for victory I finish tonight. And I'll be as honest as I've ever been with you. I'm not making light of anything or anybody or problems because they're real. I spent time on the phone today with a professional counselor, not for me. Probably need it. My wife probably thinks I need it. But I can't imagine the things that I'll tell you what I believe tonight. I started to say if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I ain't wrong. I'm as right as I've ever been. I'm going to tell you. I think people that are sick of being addicted to again can walk away from anything with God's help. I'm not against any programs. Thank God for it. We may have some people in here tonight that's got their coins. I don't know. I've got friends that have 20 year coins, 30 year coins. Miss that free. And somebody's probably gonna be critical of what I'm saying. i am 12 steps. Cool. I'm gonna tell you what I still believe in. I still believe. Come on. However many steps it is, yes, sir. from your pew. And I can tell you this when you get entangled again there's a reason why that spirit wants you to keep moving further and further and further and further back because it's more and more and more and more steps but somebody's gonna get brave enough at some point to say I'm tired of again I'm tired of the same cycle and I'm about to get up from this thing and I'm gonna get the victory and I'm gonna be the devil's worst nightmare Because I'm going to find every drug addict I can find and tell them the solution to their problem. I'm going to find every alcoholic I can find and tell them the solution to the problem. I'm telling you the solution is not another prescription. The solution is not another bottle. The solution is the power of the blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians five and seventeen. I'm hurrying to a close. Second Corinthians five and seventeen. Oh, help us, God. Therefore, any man. Yes, if you're born to the right family, Pastor. That's see. That's the thing. You were raised in church. Let me read this for you one more time. If any. come here brother Looper I'm talking about any man this man right here was raised in the church he was raised in this church his daddy was the, the treasurer of this church I'm talking about nobody thought about FPC without saying Looper George Looper was absolutely a man of God Precious man. Brother Looper he got a little older. He took some paths. Young people, I want you to listen to me tonight. This man's got a testimony. I've heard him talk about walked away from the Lord and moved down to Tennessee, riding at Harley. What year did you buy that? 1972, still got it. Is that, a, is that a knuckle? No. <laughs> it's a panhead, but don't ever call it a knucklehead. He's told me the stories working in an old rough sawmill. Got him a plank down there back to your house, go across the creek on that bike, right? That's right. Did you ever have nights when you laid in bed that you'd hear the old songs? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Can you imagine laying in bed at night? Victory ahead through the blood of Jesus. But I'm gonna tell you, I'll never forget the night <laughs> Woo! that old sanctuary yes, sir. when the big old gray beard came walking in. He walked. He walked at thirty like he walks right now. He came in in them bib overalls, a white t-shirt underneath it, and a big old beard. And the Holy Ghost got to moving. And I'll never forget the night. Chuck told me one time, Chuck Jones said, I'm going to tell you right now, Mark Looper was a bad man. He said, Mark Looper could take anybody under six foot in the bar room and I'd take anybody over six foot. That night he didn't have a bar room on his mind. He was tired of again, and I'll never, I'll never forget them broad shoulders. He squared them shoulders up, and he walked down that aisle, and he came down to the right side of the altar, knelt down and prayed, and the Holy Ghost got on him. Let me tell you, if this man can get past again, so can you. That's the truth. I'm hurrying.. Amen. My dad used to tell the story. I hadn't heard him tell it in a long time. My dad used to tell the story, but he walked away from the Lord. He and my mother had been married for a short while. I had just I was just a young, young child. My dad walked away from the Lord for a little while. It was on a Saturday night, if I, if I remember right. Dad was sitting in a bar on the stool. My granddad was down here at the church, Brother Bingham, walking around the aisle saying, God, deal with Satan. God, touch him. Bring him back to the house of the Lord. My dad said he was sitting on the bar stool. And just like you're listening to me right now, he said, I heard a voice that spoke to me that said, get back now. Tell the truth. Yes, sir. If you don't, don't get back now, you will never get back. Right, right. No. I don't want to live my life to the place where God has to speak to me like that. Right. Right. But I'm tired of the devil beating your brains out because you have. Right. Right. And right. I'm going to tell you something he don't want you to know tonight. That as long as you've got breath in your lungs, you've got power over again. As long as you've got breath in your body, you've got the power to rise up out of that thing. You've got the authority to stand up in the face of again and say, you've had your last party with me. I'm getting the victory tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If any man, man that's born in the church, any man that's backslid from the church, any man that has lived for God for twenty years and turned to walk—I don't care what kind of man you are, I don't care what kind of woman you are, I don't care if you failed God ten thousand times—if any man, God, if any man be in Christ, he is. A new. I'm talking about a new creature. The devil can't say anything about what you were. You're a new creature. Why? Because old things have passed away. Behold all things. Oh, I wish somebody'd preach that for me right now. Behold all things. Can stand with me. I'm gonna quit. I want to tell you something tonight, precious child of God. Your failure don't intimidate God like it intimidates you. Oh yeah, come on. Huh? Woo! You said it right there. I'm not by any means saying that you got a license to sin. As a matter of fact, Romans six one through two takes care of that beyond a shadow of a doubt. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid, I am saying this, I'm tired of the devil taking pot shots at you precious people. I'm tired for that man that's watching online right now, the devil taking pot shots at you and telling you because you failed God that you are the ultimate failure. I just want to tell the devil tonight that Proverbs 24, 16 lets me know that a just man Fall seven times but rises up again. The Bible said that good people do dumb things, but we're going to let the devil know that the dumbest thing he ever did was mess with you. Yeah. Psalms 37 23. I'm going to leave you with a little scripture and I'm done. Psalm 37, 23. Steps of a good man. Woo! Are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Verse 24. Though he fall. I'm talking about his steps are ordered. A good man. Steps are ordered. Though he fall. Hear me devil. He shall not be utterly cast down. How? For the Lord upholdeth him. I've got a tool in my belt. It's the hand of the Lord. And he can reach down and pick you up. Woo! Ah, help me tonight. You got a weapon tonight in the power of the Word of God. It don't matter what comes your way. Stand on the word. Psalms three and two. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I've been down, pastor. I've been looking the wrong way. Let me tell you about that hand that upholdeth. Reach down and put his hand under your chin, pick up your face, cause you to look above your failure, cause you to look above your faults. Yeah, but I I I fell down. Get back up. I made a mistake, Pastor. Get back up. My life's a mess. Get back up. I'm gonna tell you what's sad. There's people that need to hear this tonight, but they're not here. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna pray for the ones that are down. We're not gonna talk about their failure. We're not going to talk about why they're going through what they're going through. But tonight we're going to pray that God would send them a strong angel. That God would send them strong dreams. That God would send them visitation, And that they would wake up and realize they can be set free from the power of again. Whoo. If you're here tonight and you feel like all is well with you and God, that's fine. If you got somebody in your life that you know is entangled with again, I got so much more I I should have preached and could have preached, but I'm going to leave it. You know, somebody in your life that's struggling with again tonight, I want you to pray for them right now. We're getting ready to pray in this room. We're going to pray that God would give somebody such a powerful visitation that by the time God's done with them and they're through with that wrestling match, they're going to look up and say, I can't believe that I wandered this far, but thank God I know how to get back home. You have to quit praying stuff off of them. You're going to have to let them in the pig pen long enough to come to themselves. But when they do, they're going to come back to the Father's house and we're going to put a ring in a robe and we're going to kill a fat in town and we're going to have revival with the backsliders and we're going to have revival with the downtrodden. I'm here to tell you tonight, there is no mistake that's too big for mercy. There is no mistake that's too big for God. It's time to get set free from the gift. I want you to believe with me tonight with one voice. you going to lift your hands all across this room. I don't want you to worry about who's praying next to you and what they're saying. But if you've got a face on your mind right now, I want you to begin to call that child of God before the Lord. Pastor, they're in a bad spot. They're not too far. They're in a bad way, Pastor. They're not too far. I want you to begin to call that name before the Lord right now. God, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.